back to Leo Roundtable. All right, guys. So let me continue with this story. So we've got the, our bad guy, Timothy Daniel Stratham. Um, and I and I say, uh, you know, I say bad guy, but it's being investigated by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. So GBI, uh, he says he has a firearm. And uh, so we've got police pursuing Statham. He's driving a stolen 2006 Nissan Titan. And uh, they tried to do a traffic stop at 9.17 in the morning. Police said that he had pending arrest warrants. Now, the pursuit ends when he drives the pickup truck into a ditch, and then he flees on foot into the woods. Officers set up a perimeter. They attempted to negotiate a surrender. Now, in the video that we're, that we're looking at, I mean, you can see him. He, he's he's um, partially covered, uh, but it's, uh, it's, just, uh, it's, just, it's just concealment. It's not cover, as David would say, I guess. So, um, so... When Statham advances toward them with his hand concealed under a shirt and he starts making references about having a gun, one officer fires what is described as a 40-millimeter sponge round at him. And they even kind of announce that they're going to be doing this. Now, the sponge round has no effect on him, and our bad guy continues to advance on the cops. And then the other three officers eventually open fire on him. Um, Statham dies at the scene. Uh, police have not revealed how many times he was shot or whether he was actually carrying a firearm. Uh, police said Friday that uh, senior police officer Jamie Jones fired the less lethal sponge round. The other guys who fired were Sergeant Tim Johnson, Officer First Class uh, Dustin Tilly, and Officer Gerald Rogers. So those are the players in the game. That's what we have. Um, David, I, I've got to hear. I got to hear your, your commentary on this and. Uh, I mean, you work for David. You know, Before I, you talk, I mean, for our listeners, David is, he's the only guy in the show that's retired from a police agency and a sheriff's office. So he's seen a little bit of everything. So even though this is out in the backwoods, David's worked there too. So go ahead. Yeah. Pursuing, pursuing people into the, into the woods is, is a real thrilling moment. Um, that, that'll, that'll get your, your, your pucker factor up, up to 10. Um, you know, they did everything. They did everything very well up front. Finally, once they got the guy kind of pinned down in the, in the woods there in the bushes, uh, there was one police officer that was trying to engage him verbally, was trying to talk to him. Listen, you know, let's work this out. He was doing a fairly decent job. The, yes, the guy was indicating that he had a that he had a firearm. He was saying, "I've got more rounds than all you guys," which was BS <laughs> because when he jumped out of the car, you didn't see him with a rifle or anything like that. He was just running into the woods, but. You say something like that, and you're you're going to have everybody's attention. You'll have my attention completely. So, the guy that brought the the Nerf gun to the uh, to the fire to to a gunfight was just stupid. And we I think we've seen this uh, on more than one occasion that the implement that when someone uses a non lethal uh, alternative in a in what is a a lethal or deadly force situation, it almost inevitably causes the escalation of the incident into the, the, the use of lethal, lethal force. They shoot him with the, with the beanbag. They shoot him with the taser. They pop him with the Nerf gun. And what does he do? He immediately starts to jump up and he starts to run or move or, or go toward other officers or whatnot. And that initiates then the use of lethal, lethal force. So, if you're in a situation where you are justified to use least support, the guy says, I'm armed, don't come any closer, and you've got to do something, you, you're going to have to take action sooner or later, then get the non-lethal crap out of the way and, and don't even bring it. Just leave it out because you're either going to talk this guy down or you're, or you're going to use lethal force against him. That's the unfortunate reality in, the, in a lot of most of these situations. So 
they did what they had to do. I would have liked to have seen it instead of a Nerf gun, a rifle propped on a tree so that when he did move uh, suddenly or foolishly, if he if he did, it would have been over at that moment. Uh, but I, I just don't get this. Well, let's try it because it always ends badly. Almost every video we watch, it ends badly. Thanks. Major on. I agree with I agree with David 1000 um, percent. You know, that's like bringing a knife to a gun battle. What do you bring in some Nerf ball? All that, all that, you know, all the trees, the twigs, the leaves. You know, how effective is that going to be? Do nothing but tee this guy off and uh, and, and and ramp things up, you know? And it, it's almost like every department says, okay, try lethal. Just shoot lethal just so we said we did. You know what I mean? You're, like, appeasing everyone. I think that's dangerous, and it's, and it's not effective. It's not efficient. And it's just, and, and, and like you said, it creates another issue. It creates the situation to, to me, ramp it up, one. And, uh, you know, growing you know growing up on the streets, and we call that selling wolf tickets. You said you had a gun, <laughs> you had a gun. You know, you said you got more, more ammunition than me, then you have more ammunition than me. You said your brother can beat up my brother, then now he has to. You know, that's stu stupidity on his part. He made the mistake. He sold the wolf ticket, or oh, I have more ammunition than you. And just like David said, okay, he's talking about ammunition. What are we talking about? sponges and, and nerf guns and all that other mess that's craziness but um it ended good for the police officers no officer got hurt but um i think departments should yeah. look at this should look at this as an example of uh you know how we're trying to be overly protective of the public consciousness and we're um we're tarnishing all our respectability i wouldn't i wouldn't say no officers no officers got hurt ron because when the guy shot the nerf gun and and the and it caused the guy to start coming toward him in the bushes. Did you hear him squeal like yeah, like a little sad. kid yeah. and take off running because yeah. he didn't have immediate right. access to, to lethal force? So mm. he he got a his feelings hurt, his butt hurt, mm. and and he's gonna catch it when he at the next squad party because if <laughs> I saw that on video. Yeah. Oh, you forget that, y'all. No that, way. Well, that yeah. was shameful. That would be at the Christmas party. I agree with you. Yeah. Shameful. Da damn near dropped it and took <laughs> off squealing squealing through the uh, the, the trees. <laughs> wow all right hey uh major ron how do you get your voice to sound like that what kind of a what kind of a tools or what kind of enhancement enhancer do you have on the microphone i want to get one of those for my mic what is that it's called god and my daddy <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right the natural the guy oh. with the natural radio voice yeah i'm jealous all right Thank you. You should be a voice actor. Oh, that's right. You are a voice actor. Okay, I forgot. All right. Let's um let's move on then. Let's see our next one here. We've got a uh, roughly about four or five minutes here. We got another video we're going to talk about. Now this is on YouTube under police activity. There's a YouTube site called Police Activity. They have a lot of videos, and the title is Body Cam Shows Hollister Officer Shoot a Suspect That's Armed with a Knife. Now this is Hollister, California. So the cops respond to a 911 call for disturbance at a home. Officers locate a man that allegedly threatened family members. He's armed with a knife and refused to cooperate or to put the knife down. They say a man, it's kind of like a man boy, I think, is what Ron would say. But one officer discharges his firearm and wounds the suspect. Suspect is transported to a trauma hospital where he's listed in stable condition. He's 29 years old. Name is Brandon Hill. So at approximately um, 7.30 in the, in the morning, police get this 911 hang-up call from the house. So the dispatchers, they call back, and they get a request to help um, advise an adult family member um, 
or, or I guess to advise on an adult family member that's possibly violent and they had access to kitchen knives. So two officers go to the scene, contact family members, and as they're talking with the family, suspect approaches the officers and refuses to remove his hands from his pockets. So the officers attempt to uh, talk to him inside the house. He's uncooperative. Then he produces a large knife. And this is just escalating. He proceeds to start a fire by turning on a stove. And then he starts putting items on the ignited burner. And he stands between the fire and the officers. And then he starts throwing items at the cops, including one of them that's actually on fire. So then he continues to throw furniture and other items around the room. And on the camera, you know, on the video, you can see this stuff flying all over the place. And he threatens both the officers. So attempts to de-escalate, I think it's fairly safe to say that they were unsuccessful. So at one point, an officer discharges one round from a service weapon, uh, this guy had taken a step towards the officer. The round hits the suspect in the abdomen, and then he drops the knife. So he kind of uh, he kind of goes limp at that point, but survives. Uh, comments on that video? Anybody? It was a uh, it was an interesting one. We got David going first again, and uh, and uh, and then Ron. Go ahead, guys. I'll let Ron go first this time. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, you know, here's my thing. First of all, the officers tactically were too close to this man with a knife. His knife was in his hand, and all he had to do was sprint. I thought he was a little close. The gun was out, but okay. Um, if you're going to tase him, you should have tased him immediately. It looked like he had a shirt on. It looked like a thin shirt. Maybe it would have been effective. Maybe not. But one guy could have tased him, and you would have had your gun out. That's fine. But then, you know, the mom, please don't shoot him. Please don't shoot him. Uh, I, I don't understand what you think is going to happen at this point. He has a knife and he's, he's you know, MF and his mother, his brother, the world. He's going to kill somebody, wants to kill somebody. And then he finally uh, decides to, you know, be Billy Badass and, and approach the officer and he shoots him. But between me and you, this is the kind of uh, video that all my friends of color talk about because had he been darker complected, would you have shot him sooner? Would you have double tapped him? Would you have shot him? You know what I mean? This is the kind of uh, video that brings up discussions that need to be had. You know, why the hell? And then you shot him in the shoulder, you know? So I would like to hear everyone's comment on that just because I know my friends are going to bring it up to me once they see this show. Well, he got he got hit in the abdomen, right? I believe mm-hmm. I believe abdomen. Yeah, I think that's what it said. But but you know I during the video if I if I remember correctly you know the the main cop that was on point that was within you know ended up being within the one the one that shot so I was gonna say within striking distance but didn't they didn't the other officer tell him to switch didn't he have non lethal he told him to go with a firearm because he had him covered with non lethal or it was the other way around I see Tyra nodding her head but um, eventually yeah eventually he did yes okay Tyra I want to hear your opinion I want to hear your opinion too so I'm gonna shut up now well we got roughly uh, well, I watched the video I. No, we have about 40, about 30, 30 seconds. Tyra, go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I mean, he had a clear shot with the taser. I mean, you can see, I don't know that I'm pretty sure those are the lights on his shirt. I don't know why they didn't just do that right then and there. I mean, it probably could have resolved the issue a lot quicker than what they prolonged it to be, but we can continue that when we're done with the break. All right. Well, uh, Let's see here, guys. Yeah, you know, we're close enough, so we're going to take a commercial break, and we will continue with this, and uh, I guess uh, Tyra will be up first, hopefully, but uh, let's take a commercial break. We'll be right back. (music) 
All right, guys. Hey, this time I want to talk about, you know, how best to watch our show. Now, normally, and guys, I have an open mic, David, if you don't mind helping me out with that. Now, normally, I talk about how you can watch us on YouTube and Rumble all the forces. Well, it's, I, I'm not sure what's going to be going on with YouTube. Hopefully, within a week, we'll have our show back um, and available there. But um, now we're going to be on Vimeo, and that will distribute the show to all the formats. So we are on Rumble, and we'll get back on YouTube, and we're going to be on Vimeo, which will be our primary for our live show. So check us out there. We're also on Thin Blue Line TV at redvoicemedia.com. Uh, so uh, Ray Dietrich, uh, he's the guy making it happen for us there so uh, so just kind of stay tuned and we'll keep giving you guys more updates on how best to watch the video portion of our show but remember live show every monday 7 p.m eastern standard time All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Uh, Tyra, did you get everything out that you wanted to say, or did you want to add anything more to that last video? Yeah, I think um, from the perspective that I'm in, since I'm still currently in law enforcement, a lot of the issues that I see um, is everybody's scared. They just, it's like they don't want to do, they don't want to act on something. So I do think that there was a clear shot for um, the officer to tase him. And I just think that it's unnecessary to prolong things like that because it can always go south really quickly. But I think that could have ended a different way personally. I think so. All right. Thank you. Good perspective. Um, Corporal Dave. You know, in, in watching the video, um, maybe this will help Ron out with his, with his uh, friends. Um, but you, you see two officers in, 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 and they are in the pocket. They are, they're in tight and they're not going to give ground because they've got other people in the house. Uh, the guy has the, the person of, of interest here. Um, I hate to call him a bad guy. He's all, obviously has some mental illness problems, but um, he's the one with the knife. And they're not going to let him out of there. They're not going, the cops are, are not going to let him out of that pocket. And that's good. They shouldn't. Uh, because then he begins to pose a threat to other people. But they're still attempting to end the situation without using lethal force. Now, I've said this before, and I still, and I still maintain it. Um, working on the street, you, you, uh, you learn, it, you ought to learn, your partners, your zone partners, your, you know, the, the, the guys and girls that are working around you in the zone, um, how they work, what their thought processes are, what they're prepared for, what their capabilities are, what their weaknesses are, uh, what their strengths are. So that when you end up in a situation like that, you know what that cop next to you is thinking, how they're going to act, and, and what they're going to do. So I don't have a problem with, with one officer being on lethal and the other one getting a taser or some other non-lethal weapon in that circumstance. And, I, and again, I don't care what color or gender you are. Um, and trying to work it, you've got one guy on lethal, and he's looking at it, and he's going, okay, if this guy takes one more step, I'm popping him. And the guy with the non-lethal is trying to work it around so he can get a nice, clear, good shot with that taser or beanbag or whatever he's got to try to end it. I don't have a problem with that, as long as both officers in that circumstance are confident in each other and in their own capabilities. And that's what I saw in that video. I saw those both those officers, they stayed right there. They did not back up. They weren't going to let that guy chase them back out of that house, which tells me that was their mindset. So I have really have no problem with that entire video 
looking at it from that perspective. Now, I get what Tyra's saying, and I appreciate that, the, the, the hesitation to act, but that's not what I read um, in these two guys' actions. Others we have seen, absolutely, the fear of action or the fear of taking action causes officers to either not act enough, overreact too much, you know, things of that nature. But the way I saw it in this, in this instance, this video, those guys were, were in the pocket. They had that guy hemmed in the kitchen. They weren't letting him out for obvious reasons. And they did everything right down, right down the line perfectly, as far as I was concerned, until, it, until that guy with the knife crossed that line uh, that they had drawn, that the guy on lethal had drawn in his mind, if it goes past here, that's it. The throwing the stuff and throwing stuff around the kitchen, again, he's confident in himself and his capabilities to defend himself. Um, he's moving. He's, 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 in, he's in flux with the whole situation. But when the guy crossed the line, it ended with one shot because it was planned and it was thought out. It wasn't the, you know, emptying my magazine because I'm so scared I don't know what's about to happen. No. Um, I, and I've been in those situations before. Myself, zone partner, we're on a scene. The guy's got a gun, and it was one shot, and he went down, and, and that was it. So that's the way I read the video. And um, I think in that circumstance, the actions of those officers would have been the same no matter what that other person did or said or race, creed, color, gender. It, it wouldn't matter. They, they had that situation dead on all right perfect i agree with a lot i agree with a lot of what you said david most of what you said and the thing i liked the best is that it didn't matter what color they were and i agree that they 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 were confident in their abilities and their skills and i like the fact that they didn't stand down even with mama screaming you know blah 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 blah. but um he was ticky boom clearly but um this is what we have to try to get across to uh the constituents out there that police officers aren't trying to go there just to kill your child or your loved one or just to kill the guy. They're trying to talk to him, and they had lethal and non-lethal. And uh, in this in this situation, I still say you could have either attempted the, the less than lethal quicker or sooner. However, I like the fact that they were in the pocket, like you said, and they didn't stand down. And color should never be a condition in law enforcement. Well, let me ask you something. Yeah, and that and that. Go go ahead, Dave. That's hundred percent. That, that's 100 percent, Ron. And, and the the again, with with the, the with the when you pull the trigger on the non-lethal, as we've seen so often, you know, the, the, the kid was moving back and forth. and He's got stuff in his hands and he's throwing things and he's moving around the kitchen. And, and we've seen it so many times when that taser just doesn't make the contact, misses the shot. So it's that judgment call on the use of lethal of non-lethal, the taser in this case. Because the guy knows he's going to have one one shot at the, at the taser, yeah. and it's probably going to go south after that. So, again, my reading of it was he was trying to make sure that when he took the taser shot, it was going to be effective and not a waste. So, yeah, what I've liked to have just – we like to think to, to ourselves, just throw it out there. Just try it. But if, if they were of, of that mindset that we've got to play this right um, – or we're just walking it into the into the firearm into the lethal scenario. I can see why they're why he's waiting with that that taser to try to get the best shot possible if he's going to take it at all, rather than as we saw in the other one, just piss the guy off 
and roll it right into the lethal, which it, which happened anyways. But that's the way I was reading it. So, mm, all right, thank you, Corporal. I think they did a good job. Thanks, Corporal. And Major, I'm not even going to ask you when you said that you agree with almost everything David said. I'm not even going to ask you the parts of what David said that you don't agree with. I'll just let that go, okay? But hey, let's take another commercial break. We'll be right back. guys hey i want to take this time and tell you how best to watch us on radio yes we're on uh many radio stations uh i i guess i'm counting about uh what 10 or 11 or 12 right now across the u.s so we're starting off with the boss hog radio network we're in bushnell lakeland plant city and winter haven and avon park they have 4 a.m's and an fm uh, we're also in florence alabama on wbcf with an am and an fm cutting edge radio network um good talk radio amfm247.com uh, we have some other ones that are coming down the pipe as well so uh very exciting uh to be getting the new radio stations and with our uh radio syndicator joe sparrow taking good care of us so hey it's a great way to watch our show please check us out on one of those stations they all have internet capability so thanks guys All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So if that is it on the last topic, uh, we've got a little bit more time before we uh, wrap up the show. Let's talk about an update on PoliceOne.com, an elderly protester, and we just talked about this guy. He's in a viral video. He's suing after the charges were dropped against New York police officers. So we're in uh, Buffalo, New York, and the protester's name is Martin Gugino. He's suing the city, the police department, the mayor, um, after charges were dropped against two cops who shoved him during a Black Lives Matter rally last year. You guys remember it. Um, now, uh, he's 75 years old. This is reported by WKBW. He filed a civil lawsuit on Monday against the city of Buffalo, Mayor Byron Brown, uh, Police Commissioner Byron Lockwood, Deputy Police Commissioner Joseph Bromaglia, um, Buffalo Police Officers Robert McCabe and Aaron Torgalski and John Losey. So the suit accuses the defendants of violating his constitutional rights, alleges forceful assault without warning by officers McCabe, uh, Torgalowski, and Losey. And he made national news in June when two uh, Buffalo police officers uh, pushed him to the ground outside Buffalo City Hall. And video shows him motionless and bleeding uh, from the ear. And, of course, it went viral. And he's released from the hospital nearly a month later after suffering a fractured skull and a brain injury. Now, I'll bet that this instigator, because remember, this guy from what we've read uh, is an alleged instigator. So he's, he's used to, he's is used for this purpose. I bet he didn't bargain on getting a cracked skull though. And, uh, and having some other, you know, injuries, you know, because of it. So are there any comments on this? I can move on to the, I think we got a video coming up next. I see David, David moving the comment. Go ahead. You know, I mean, we've been over this a bunch of times and, um, that that's the point. He's, he's a, a professional instigator. And, and that's this is what he does. He puts himself in these situations, uh, hoping to get the police to react. Um, it, it, could the police have done it a little bit different? Yeah, sure. We I know the dynamics of of crowd control and and 
and uh, and uh, you know using a a scrimmage line to move crowds and people away and back and all that sort of stuff. But you know you've got to be able to be a little bit flexible when in that sort of stuff. You've got to have that that supervisor, that control officer that's there saying, okay, hold on a second. Look at this old guy coming toward us. What's he doing? Guy that is saying, you know, Ron, Dave, go out there and snatch him up and get him out of there. And that's what you do. So there's a little bit of blame to go around on, on both sides on this one. I feel sorry the old guy took a crack to the head like that on the on the pavement. But um, you know, he kinda he kinda asked for it and kinda got it. So don't do that no more. Yeah, well, he definitely was not following police commands, and uh, and he was violating. You know, they were trying to clear the area. So um, now, Major Ron, I saw you nodding your head. Is David on point, or is there anything about that that you want to disagree with? Uh, no, I'm in full <laughs> agreement with David D'Agresta. He was perfect. I agree that we would have done one of the fly teams, tapped the guy on the shoulder, the line would have moved, we would have grabbed his old ass and put him in some flex cuffs and walked him to the to the multi-purpose transport unit. I might need to see you guys demonstrate this technique. I'm hearing about all these techniques you and David have, but, you know, when Ward comes back in town from Costa Rica, I think it's time to shoot some more videos. Maybe we get maybe we get Tyra to come in town and work the taser because we've always wanted to get, you know, see how Ward reacts to the taser probes, you know, so. No, and there's no way. Ward is at, how many, how many shoulder surgeries has ex-gymnast um, Ward wow. Mythower had state no way a state state a state <laughs> state lovely. state champion gymnast I believe now I think maybe it was the national Collegiate. championship Collegiate. Collegiate. yeah oh yeah 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 wide world of sports and everything man that's right he's my, that's he's my awesome. hero <laughs> <laughs> I gotta love it all right Major Ron is there anything else before we move on Negative Ghost Rider. All right. Full. All right. Well, look, let's see. Coming up then, let's see what we have. Yes, a video. So we're on policeone.com. Video released of a pursuit and a shootout that killed a California deputy and a canine. So not a uh, not an easy video to watch. So we're in Sacramento County, California. So the sheriff's office on Wednesday released a disturbing video and new details about last month's fatal shooting of Deputy Adam Gibson. The suspect, um, the coroner, identified him. So if you're going to have a bad guy this bad be identified, you wanted to be the coroner to identify him. His name is Robert Calderon. Uh, he fired nine shots at deputies at point-blank range after crashing his SUV in a parking lot. Now, um... This uh, loser bad guy opened fire, fatally injuring Gibson, who died at the hospital. He also shot and killed a five-year-old canine uh, named Riley and seriously wounded a 43-year-old deputy. And deputies uh, returned a barrage of gunfire, you know, killing uh, Calderon, or bad guy. So it started about 10 p.m. at night on January the 18th. Deputies saw the SUV. It fit the description of a vehicle that had been reported stolen. They initiated contact with Calderon, confirmed via records check that he was active on parole, which he denied. Uh, the dashboard cam, uh, it showed the two officers attempting to conduct a parole search and this guy speeds away in his SUV. And then there's a, uh, he's leading the deputies, they have to run back to the car, get in it, they catch up with him, the chase is on. Video shows the SUV going at high rate of speeds, running stop signs. At one point, it gets a flat tire. Deputies attempt to pit. Doesn't go down that way. Guy keeps driving. Then Calderon actually ends up in a parking lot. 
SUV becomes disabled after it drives over concrete uh, barrier, hits a fence, and so now he's kind of stuck. So they tried to use beanbag rounds to break the window. Uh, That did not work. So moments later, um, I guess a a group of deputies, um, they surround the vehicle and they break a window in the back using batons after they approach the rear window and they're, they have ballistic shields. So they're being really careful. So, um, moments later they hear a deputy say that he's digging around the back seat. He's reaching for a backpack. And so they deploy canine Riley and, you know, he's jumping on the hood. He can't really get into the vehicle. And so they bust out, you know, the back window. Well, the back window, I guess, is already busted out. So they lift up the dog and they put him in the rear of this SUV. And uh, the video shows Riley jumping in the, on the SUV. Anyhow, he finally, gets, he finally gets in. Our bad guy's revving the engine. And he's, um, you know, they're saying, uh, recall your dog. And so the handler takes control of, uh, of Riley and now when he's in the back seat, they approach with a ballistic shield. They approach the front driver's side door. They open up the door and Calderon, who's sitting there, he's got a gun in his hand. He pointed at the deputies. He fires nine rounds at point blank range. Deputies return fire. And uh, it says that they uh, fatally wound Calderon. Uh, and the video shows at least 10 deputies surrounding the vehicle at the time. It doesn't really say if the dog died from the bad guys, you know, uh, gunshots or if it was friendly fire. It, it could have easily been friendly fire. The video resumes uh, briefly to show two deputies, one of them holding a shield. He's dragging an injured deputy away from the vehicle. So Gibson's pronounced dead at the hospital. The second deputy, uh, he has serious injuries, but he's stabilized at a trauma center. And Gibson, 31 years old, six-year veteran of the Sacramento Sher- uh, County Sheriff's Office. So, um, and Calderon, 46, died at the scene uh, which I have no problem with. So um, that's what went down in the video. We've got roughly about two and a half minutes, guys. Um, anybody want to comment on that and uh, and what went down? I know that we've seen we've seen more than once them lift a uh, dog up and put him in the vehicle after you know making an entry point for the vehicle for the uh, for the dog to get in. So um, no comments on the video. All right, we'll uh, move on to another one then. Let's see. And I've got roughly, uh, you know, we're getting kind of close here on time, but I've got a couple minutes here. Let's see. Our next one, we've got a, uh, you know, this is an interesting update. Police one. It says one of the best dummies we've seen cops bust carpool lane ruse. You know, it's um, <laughs> this thing looks so real. So the article says amazingly lifelike fake passenger used to evade carpool restrictions in Baldwin Hills. It's near L.A. and it impressed even the California Highway Patrol officer. So they say by far one of the best dummies we've ever seen. And on Facebook, they said to clarify, we're referring to the fake passenger, you know, the one being the dummy, at least. And it says officers pulled over Toyota uh, Tacoma carrying a fake passenger in the carpool lanes on Friday. It's reported by KNBC. Now, a California Highway Patrol officer driving next to the truck, he noticed the passenger wasn't moving, but he pulled it over for having tinted windows. And the dummy, complete with a face mask, reading glasses, it even had wrinkles and gray hair, sunglasses in the shirt pocket. Um, they posted the photo. It's just an incredible, incredibly lifelike dummy. Um, I know Ron has given you ideas already. Next time you go down to Miami and you got to use the carpool lanes, you know. But uh, yeah, see, I caught you. Uh, but uh, any, uh, any comments on this, guys? I think I think it was pretty ingenious. Look, the guy deserves you know to get cited for, but I mean, crap! It was a pretty a lot of work involving that, Ron. If he was honest, I might have let him go. Tell him to stop doing that and give me that dummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, the dummy was not an inflatable. The dummy was the dummy. The dummy was not inflatable. You realize that, Major Ron, don't you? You all need to go to church. That's all I'm going to say. Right, David? Uh, all, all I'm going to say is, is Chip better watch out. He's going to find himself tied up in Ron's front seat. He was a dummy to drop. Oh, <laughs> I would not like that. When, 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 he, when he goes, when he's done with you. So be careful. Hey, I would not. I will not go willingly. No. All right. <laughs> yeah. But you'd go. It, well, yeah. It, it probably won't matter. All right. Tyra, you got just about 10, 15 seconds. Go ahead. I just think it would have been worse seeing Ron taking the dummy out of the passenger seat and dragging it to his car. Oh, I like the way you think, Tyra. All right, look, another yeah. commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, guys. Hey, at this time, I want to tell you about our podcast. Now, they're marketed by law enforcement today, uh, but we have an RSS feed. Uh, We're on Anchor, and Anchor is our main staple. I upload our podcast to Anchor, and they in turn send it to all the other formats. We're also on Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you know, of course, iTunes. That's a big deal. Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify, um, and most everybody's heard of Spotify. So we have some uh, good outlets for the podcast. Um, obviously, it's the audio component, so if you're not listening to us on the radio, and if you're just maybe watching the video portion of the show through the other outlets, but you're driving, you know, podcast is a good, safe way in order to be able to watch the show. So definitely check us out or go to leoroundtable.com, our website, and you'll see some links at the top in reference to the podcast as well. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So if we have exhausted everything on the last one, we'll jump to a new one then. And our new topic, fox13now.com. There is a video involved with this. Suspect in a sexual assault and robbery shot and killed by the Ogden police. They were in Utah. Man shot and killed by the Ogden police officers on Friday night. Police got a call or a report of an aggravated robbery, a sexual assault, and a vehicle theft just after 7 p.m. So the suspect was shot and killed by police. He was identified as 28-year-old Dino Raul Morales. Now, I guess a quote from the Ogden Police Chief Eric Young says that the suspect took the victim's vehicle and he fled the area when the assault was done. So investigators believe that Morales then offered a ride to another woman, unfortunate for her. She was actually in the car when they were first confronted by the officers. So she was actually able to escape the car unharmed. Very lucky. Morales, our bad guy, then runs um, into a garage of a nearby home. Now, this is a, a really wild video to watch. I had to watch it a few times. So listen to listen to the investigative skills. And, and maybe, uh, you know, uh, Tyra, you may be into this because, you know, there's snow and footprints and they've checked this guy out. So there's fresh snow. It fell Friday evening. So it aids the officers in the search. They, they locate the footsteps in the backyard of the house in the snow. They follow the footsteps to the shed behind the house where the truck is parked. You'd think that this, um, you know, loser bad guy would have been able to figure that out. Apparently not. So the officers found Morales hiding in the bed of the truck that's inside the garage. And so he, now they got the video going. Now he stands up and you kind of got to watch it maybe a few times or freeze frame it, but he points a gun before being shot by two Ogden police officers. And, uh, and I, I think I initially thought it was just one officer that pulled the trigger and shot, but he got shot, you know, by two. So justice was served. Any, uh, any comments on that video guys, major Ron? Yeah, I think this should be another, uh, training tool for, um, 
those young badasses that keep going in and out of juvenile uh, detention and stuff. You know, you think you're tough. Uh, drop the gun. Nope. Okay. Drrr. You know, now go meet your maker. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's it. Boom. That's it. End of, end of story. You're the dumbass. He gave you a lawful order. Drop your gun. And you're so tough and so bad. You got to rape women. Man, you know, bye. See well, ya. All right. Thank you, Major Ron. Anybody else, guys? All right, then I have time to move on to the next one. Yeah, David, see if you're writing stuff down. That's for our censors. You know, we don't want Ron to get fined by the FCC. So, all right, even though he can really afford it. Uh, let's see. Oh, Tyra liked that. She thought that was funny. Okay, policeone.com, New Hampshire poised to lift citizenship requirement for police applicants. So I kind of made reference to that earlier. Um, so Concord, New Hampshire, struggling like his counterparts across the state, the fine officers, Concord Police Chief Bradley Osgood thinks that or thought that he had a good candidate last year. The applicant, a Concord resident since the age of six, he was a permanent legal resident whose application for U.S. citizenship had been accepted. Uh, because he's a Marine Corps reservist, the written citizenship test has been waived and he's waiting for his in-person interview. But because of a 40-year-old ruling requiring New Hampshire police officers to be a U.S. citizen, the chief could not hire him. So following uh, the chief's unsuccessful appeal for a waiver to enroll this guy in the police academy, law enforcement leaders across the state, um, their law enforcement certification board um, to replace the hard and fast citizenship requirement with a rule that would allow green card holders to become certified police officers with some conditions that's still out there. So they haven't decided what they're going to do. But I'm really curious um, what you guys think. And Ward, I know you're up here first. Is this a good idea? I mean, I know that there's certain conditions, but still allowing, I know I know we got the, what the military does and what law enforcement does, but what do you think, uh, Attorney Ward? Before I read this article, my, my thought was, of course you should be a citizen before you become a police officer. On the other hand, when I read this article, there was no doubt in my mind that this guy deserves to be a police officer. He serves and apparently is still serving in the Marines. He's been in the U.S. since he's six years old. I have no problem at all uh, with him being a police officer. And so I guess the issue is way more complicated than I originally thought. Okay, interesting. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, if I ever, and Ron, I know you're coming up here and then maybe David, but, uh, you know, if I ever entered a debate, I always try to enter with an open mind. I mean, I've got my opinion, but I always try to enter so that if I am, if someone presents enough good information, I should be swayed to change my mind. So I'm, I'm open on this. I mean, I, I'm kind of dead set against it, but I have an open mind. So, uh, Major Ron, Corporal David, go ahead. Let's hear your opinions on this. I mean, I think this kid, he sounds like he's stellar. You know, he's a Marine. He's been here since he's six. But my whole thing is when you turned 18, you should have started the process. If you're not a legal American, you know, a citizen by right, then no, the answer is no, absolutely not. You shouldn't vote and you should not be a police officer, you know, and, you know, wait six months, wait a month, wait till whenever you can take the test. And absolutely. And um, you say, well, should a test really dictate that? You know, we have to make a decision. Are people legal or illegal? Uh, you know, you don't have to call them aliens. You don't have to say a human is an alien. But the fact of the matter is, you didn't do that legally. If you're not here legally, then how the heck can you uh, administer the law, the laws of the land? I, I, that's, I just, just disagree with that wholeheartedly. It's just a juxtaposition I wouldn't want wouldn't to um, have an issue with. You go to Germany, you're asked, you know, you're there legally. What can you do? Nothing. You go to Italy, nothing. 
Spain, France, you know, anywhere in Africa. What can you do? Nothing. So let's stop with this. Stop. All right. Thank you. Good point. And, you know, they're using as an excuse, and I, I hate to say excuse, but to, for justification on this because they're saying they're having a hard time getting, you know, uh, qualified applicants. So they're they're trying to, you know, kind of widen the pool well, you a little have a hard bit. time getting qualified applicants because you're always putting your foot up someone's behind. No matter what they do, everything's a death sentence. That's why you're having a hard time getting applicants and you're denigrating and dressing them down in, a, in public you know, social media and on the news and, you you know, you're not showing any respect to the people that want to do nothing but save your life and protect life and, uh, and and protect the laws of this land. That's why you're not getting qualified applicants. So have a cup of shut that you know what up and uh, let's move on. Don't try to make a bad situation worse. All right. Thank you, Major Ron. Now we've got um, three minutes left, uh, David. And uh, David, should they go to Somalia looking for uh, applicants, you think, or what? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, no. You know, I, I, I appreciate this guy's situation. Um, I think that there should be something in place that he should maybe get fast-tracked to citizenship so that he can then uh, go, go ahead with the police application process and become an officer. He sounds like he would be a good one by, by all counts, perhaps. I mean, I don't know. We, we'd have to see. But to, to forego citizenship, and be a police officer. I'm kind of with Ron on that one, but I think that if they if they want to, if they can, you know, get him into a situation where he can be fast tracked, you know, I should have done it, yeah, but now, yes, okay, and 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 get it done that way, okay, I'm good with that. Uh, but without citizenship, uh, I, I got a tough time overcoming that one. I do, uh, n- no matter what the circumstances are, and if you start cutting corners and doing things that way it's going to bite you sooner or later be very very careful about that all right thank you corporal now i've got uh, really two minutes left i'm going to breeze through this because i do want to cover it i gotta be careful what i say though david it's on leoferris.com florida man blacks out where else are you gonna get stories like this they're not gonna be in new mexico where tyra's at it's gonna be florida so florida man blacks out cuts genitalia from a man who slept with wife expected to plead guilty in court so a northern florida man accused of using scissors to cut off the Manhood of an acquaintance in 2019 is expected to plead guilty on Thursday, according to the smoking gun. Alex Vanilla, 51 years old, he's been in jail since the incident. He allegedly, award, I'm saying allegedly, he came armed to the trailer home of a neighbor uh, with whom Vanilla said that he had, the neighbor had had sex with his 35 year old wife a couple months earlier. So our bad guy, who was the cutter, not the guy that had the affair, but the, the guy that cut, he claimed he blacked out, doesn't remember the assault that allegedly ensued. Sued. His unidentified victim told police the torture began uh, when the assailant who lives across the street came to his home. He had a handgun, said he came there to fix something. And so then Benella, um, the cutter, uh, was also reportedly armed with a pipe. He's accused of binding the victim's hands behind the back and uh, telling him this is normal before taking putting on a pair of gloves, wrapping the base of his manhood with a rubber band to limit blood flow and cut off three quarters of it. And, uh, the painful process took several attempts, they say. And, uh, 
my wife told me about this, you know, when I first heard about it. Thank you to our panel for being here on the show. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you to our sponsors, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verding Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies, and AMFM 247, Boss Hog Radio, Good Talk Radio, WBCF in Alabama, Live Free TV, Red Voice Media on Thin Blue Line TV, um, and also Pexip. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week. And uh, please follow us, guys. I'll make announcements on YouTube about our current situation.